Hello, everyone. This is Diego Ochoa, superintendent of the San Mateo Foster City School District, and I am pleased to be here with you once again on the One SMFC podcast. This is a podcast where we bring in educators, parents, students, and stakeholders of our educational community to talk about things that we're doing here in the San Mateo Foster City School District, and I am really, really delighted to be joined by three of my colleagues. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with... Stephanie Fermeni, the principal of Meadow Heights Elementary School. And Stephanie, I know you have a very extensive resume, so you've had other jobs in the district. I want you to share with the listeners the other roles that you've played in your time here. I started my teaching career here in San Mateo Foster City um, about 23 years ago, and I was a bilingual teacher at what was formerly known as Turnbull Learning Academy. I was also a teacher at Fiesta Gardens International School and then went back to Turnbull to be a vice principal, then moved back to Fiesta Gardens as a principal. And I also worked at the district office as a coordinator and principal on special assignment for our children's annex program and after school safety and education program for seven years. And I'm in my seventh year at Meadow Heights. So basically the only departments we haven't put you in are the transportation department. Pretty much. And maybe the construction department? Depending on the day. But you're not ready to retire yet, so we have time to go ahead and make those appointments happen. Mm -hmm. We're also joined by one of my colleagues here at the district office. Hey, everybody. I'm Pam Bartfield, the director of curriculum and instruction for our elementary schools. In the past, actually previous to the elementary role, I was um, overseeing the middle schools as director of curriculum instruction. Um, my first job at the district office was um, when the Common Core Standards came out. I was actually principal on a special assignment supporting the Common Core Standards for our K-8 programs. And then prior to that, um, I spent most of my time at George Hall Elementary as a principal and as a teacher. I was a reading specialist there as well. But my first job... Um, in San Mateo Foster City was actually in the after-school annex program while I was getting my teaching credential. That's amazing. Thank you for being with us, Pam. And last but not least. Hello, everyone. I am Amanda Driscoll, principal at Baywood Elementary School here in San Mateo. Prior to becoming a principal, I actually I started my teaching career in Chicago. I taught primarily primary grades, became a reading specialist and an English language development specialist and started my career as an administrator here in San Mateo Foster City. And that's what's so great about bringing people into this podcast is you get a real idea of their current role might be director or principal, but you know they started somewhere. Uh, for Pam, it started in the Annex program. Uh, we have here Stephanie with us, and she's a former bilingual teacher, taught at multiple schools in the district, and then Amanda bringing all the Midwest knowledge and background with her from Chicago. Um, and, and part of what this series of podcasts is about is it's about creating a culture in our district where we do things that affect all students, not some students. And that very much falls in line with what we're going to be talking about today, which is the Footsteps of Brilliance program and our commitment to putting a program in place that really positively affects students at every school and is accessible to students at every school. So I want to give a quick rundown on how the program operates. This is a program that's uh, web-based. It is accessible to every single student in our district, either on their parents' telephone, their cell phone, or on a computer that a parent might have at home, or 
on one of the Chromebooks that we, the district, provide every child in this district. And the program is based on the idea that if we get kids reading, even when they're three years old, even when they're in our preschool programs, and get them connecting to language and sounds and songs, and ultimately the, the more kids develop, start to get them introduced to books, um, and they practice at it, that they can really develop some key uh, reading strategies and reading competencies. And that's, that's something that's missing in our program coming up to now where we don't have um, resources for kids to take home every day that they can access regardless of whether their parents are able to take them to a library or are able to give them um, the opportunity to get those books in their hands. And that's a huge part of the Footsteps of Brilliance program, which uh, for us is it's about taking barriers away for children. So even the kids who come home and the parent might not show up until 5 or 6 p.m., this program's available to them because we sent them with their Chromebook device home and they can get on the program um, in the time in between when they get home and when the parents get home and they can use the program. I think for a lot of kids too, um, learning to read is exciting. Understanding how to put words together and to see those words come to life on the page is really exciting. And I think the program is fun for kids because they get to play some games the further along they get in the program, they actually get to write books and design books, and that's kind of a fun activity for kids to do. Um, and it certainly aligns to the research behind how language is developed, and, um, and we're just really excited about the program. And as you all know, we're about to go on a two-week vacation here. We're about to have spring break for our school district. And we have this brilliant plan to put um, students in and get them involved in reading together what we're calling the spring 2022 reading challenge i'm going to pass it over to pam you're the director of curriculum and instruction you sort of focus on this all the time talk to the families about the reading challenge um we're really excited about the spring reading reading challenge and um, if you go on our website you'll see our flyer it has a from a caterpillar to a butterfly because we're using this two-week spring break is around transform, transformation, transformative literacy. Um, what, we're, what we'd love to see all of our community and kids engage in this spring break is spending that time reading. And, you know, Footsteps of Brilliance, whether you're on vacation or you're at home, you can use it anywhere. And like we keep saying, 15 minutes per day um, is what we're looking for. But what we're specifically looking for, and we have prizes of real books that we're going to be giving to our top um, readers is we're looking for students who are reading the most amount of books on Footsteps of Brilliance. So we we have a dashboard that we look at all of the time on Footsteps of Brilliance. It'll show us information about the amount of words read or the amount of hours spent, but it also tells about us how many books kids are reading. And so to get credit for reading a book, you need to read at least 80% of the book or more, and then it'll pop up that you've read that book. And so by the end of the spring break, we're going to look and find the top readers in each of our complex of who's read the most books. We're very excited to come out and give books to kids. Well, and I think that's interesting too, Pam, because basically when kids are using the program, the program is sort of kind of watching, making sure that, you know, they didn't just click on the book, you know, and just sort of look at one page or two pages. It's actually calculating the child reading this book didn't complete the book, didn't get near the end. And when that happens, it actually doesn't show up as a book read. So the more our students use this program, parents will start to ask their kids questions like, oh, tell me about the book you read. 
And, uh, you know, it's really a good way for parents to have that communication with, with their children about, about what the kids are getting out of using footsteps of brilliance because the more the kids persevere through the book, the more learning is going to take place. I think it's also important for parents to know that when their kids are reading a book, the book might get difficult at some points. And one of the great things about footsteps is it'll actually read the word to you on the page. So when a kid comes to a portion of the book that's hard for them, that they can't figure out, um, with just one click, with one touch of the screen, it will actually read the word to the child and allow them to continue reading forward. And I think that's important as kids are learning those reading behaviors, that they not give up when they're reading a book. And, you know, I've been an educator for a long time. Pam, you as well. You've seen that where kids will approach difficult to read text and actually stop, put the book down and walk away from the book. And Footsteps actually sort of resolves that issue. Yeah. And I think even more important, one of our favorite features is there's an easy button to click from English to Spanish, even if you're in the middle of a book. Um, or if you want to read the book in English and then read it again in Spanish, reading with your kids, I think it again, this is one piece of um, a way to help students develop the love of reading. There's a lot of things that we do during the school day to teach reading. This is to extend that love of reading um, into the home on the weekends, over spring break, over summer. Um, and we're really lucky to have this program. Well, and I think the the takeaway for parents is, you know, when your child's learning to read, initially you sort of look at their books and you think, okay, this is kind of a short book. There's not a ton in there. And oftentimes it's very simple things, sort of like Laura is eating, Laura is playing, Laura likes pets, you know, sort of. At, for an adult, you think that's not very exciting or engaging. But there's a whole design behind children learning to read in a way that's predictable, in a way that makes sense to them in a way that um, helps them really sound words out that are difficult for them or recognize words that are familiar to them. Um, and what happens, the more competence kids grow in their reading, the more likely they are when they get to that next level to ask to read a book that is interesting to them. And if you all haven't asked your kids what they're reading when they get to second and third and fourth grade, you start to see the Captain Underpants and the Dogman and the Catman. <laughs> they have all these books that are designed that kids really love and they get they get pumped up about reading. But it started somewhere. And for me, as the superintendent of this district, it starts when kids are three. It doesn't start when they turn seven or eight. It has to start earlier and it has to be something that we expect. And that's also part of the design with this reading challenge is we want all of our students to go home during these two weeks and we want them to pick up a book and read. Using Footsteps of Brilliance allows us to check to see how students are doing. So like my take is always I want them to use footsteps because then it helps me understand where reading is taking place and maybe where it isn't taking place. And the takeaway for the student after those two weeks is you know, I built a little bit of a, of a habit where now I, I come home and I want to pick up a book and I want to read because we know the research is absolutely clear. Children that read for pleasure and children that read at home are far more likely to succeed academically in all their subjects and not just in elementary school, but way beyond elementary school. Can I um, just wanted to share, um, because you mentioned starting 
before they come to our school district. So one of the other things I don't know if we mentioned in this podcast, but this is for our whole community. We want families, if you have a younger sibling that's not yet in school, create an account for them. If you're not in our district and you have younger, you can create an account for them. Um, This week, actually, Footsteps of Brilliance met with our preschool team and trained the preschool teachers this week. Um, So we're really excited about that. Um, But this is for everybody. And, you know, if you have a younger child um, that's out of not in school yet and you have an older child that has an account, create a separate one for every child. If you have a niece or nephew um, that live in our community, create an account for them because we want all of our students, all of our community, all of our children to get these reading behaviors through this really great program. Well, and part of what this podcast allows us to do is also just hear from principals in the field and to understand how the program's working at their school. I want to turn to Baywood Elementary School and to Amanda. Talk to us and talk to these families about how implementation is going at your school, where you're at, and what you're looking forward to. Great. Thank you. We have started creating opportunities for students to become familiar with Footsteps to Brilliance. Um, We're certainly not a high-usage school just yet, but we'll get there. Um, Teachers are introducing children to Footsteps to Brilliance so they understand very easily and can independently access F2B. Um, And then after school, um, in our after school programs, we're building in um, opportunities for students to be on Footsteps to Brilliance as well as ST Math um, into the after school scheduling. So um, that has been um, a great step in, in getting our participation rate up. Um, I, I know we kind of shared, you know, some of our favorite parts about the program so far. I think for me, I think if, you know, we were to go around the room, we might all be able to recall when we unlocked reading. And I know for me as an educator, that's always one of my favorite things to watch other kids experience. Um, so my favorite feature is when kids get to record themselves and then be able to go back and hear and, and share, you know, share it with mom or dad or grandma and grandpa and say like, that was me. I'm unlocking it, right? And so um, that's certainly one way that I um, that our, our kids get to celebrate um, becoming a reader. Well, in, in a way, it's creating a record, right? You know, in the Footsteps of Brilliance program, when kids get to certain points in the books, they can actually record themselves and then play it back and hear themselves. So it's serving the purpose of, of what um, Amanda just pointed out where you know, as a child, to be able to show your parents what you can do with reading is it's really special. And then also it's having the double effect of they're hearing the language. They're actually comparing how it sounded when they said it and how it sounded when they read it compared to the way the book did it. Because the book will also allow you to play, you know, to essentially to play the book for you. So it's really reinforcing the reading behaviors. And then it's I think it's a source of pride. You know, I think kids see that and they feel proud of themselves. But Amanda, you're not the only principal at the table. We also have our principal from Meadow Heights Elementary School, Stephanie. Talk to us about Meadow Heights and the Footsteps of Brilliance program. So similar to uh, Baywood, our teachers and our students are becoming more familiar with Footsteps to Brilliance. In our kindergarten class, they are providing an opportunity twice a week for 15 minutes So the kids can learn how to use the application and get excited and then carry that home. And then our first grade 
classrooms are starting to roll it out more. They haven't established a schedule like the kindergarten. In second grade, our teachers are assigning it as needed uh, for students. And we even have some kids in the upper grade that our teachers are assigning it um, to have practice, both either in the classroom or at home. One of the features I really appreciate is the fact that families can choose English or Spanish. A couple days ago, I was checking in with a student and I said, how's it going? Are you doing your footsteps to brilliance at home? And he said, I was, but my mom doesn't know how to read English. And so when we switched it to Spanish, we could do it together. And that was really fun. And I think that's really important because whether they're reading in English or in Spanish, that sharing that literacy and that moment together is really important. And then the other feature is being able to look and see how much time a class or a student has been doing. And this particular student that I was talking to, the mom calls me to say, how long is he working on it? Because she can't always be with him. And she wants to make sure that her son is doing what the agreement is to support um, her child. So I think those are two important features as well. Well, and you bring up an interesting point where, you know, we're all connected to each other. Um, I have a colleague who helped us with the strategic plan um, process as a district a couple months back, and she often uses this quote where she says, uh, my children's future is inextricably linked to your children's future. So what we all, you know, the whole idea behind having this become an expectation is that if my child uses a program and my child has a lot of books at home and my child reads, you know, on and on and shows up to third grade and is reading at a fourth grade level and your child does and so does um, Amanda's child. But if there are other children in the class that aren't reading at that level and aren't reading at home and don't have books at home and aren't making progress, they're all in the same class together. So I just want you to think about that. I want you to think about what it must be like to try to teach a third grade class with 24 kids where nine of them can't read beyond the first grade level. It's really powerful to think about. The idea behind the Footsteps of Brilliance program is to challenge that. And the strategy that we're using is to implement this concept of warm demands, is to say, I really need this to happen. Now, If Stephanie's child reads at a third grade level and he's in first grade, you know, so he's two grade levels ahead, I'm not really that concerned about how many minutes Stephanie's child read on Footsteps of Brilliance. But again, I know that information, right? As a superintendent, we have data now that tells us that information. But if Pam's child is the reverse, reading two grade levels behind, I really need her child reading 15 minutes a day, every day, so that over time her child makes not just one year's growth, but one and a half or two years growth. And I think now's the time when Pam is going to tell us how exciting this reading challenge is and explain to parents and, and to our stakeholders what we want kids to do and you know what is going to be out there for these kids. All right. So again, um, over spring break, starting tomorrow night, um, the um, challenge begins. And so um, what's great about the dashboard is we're able to you know, choose by date. So we'll start tomorrow um, to see. And we're looking for students over spring break that have read the most amount of books on Footsteps of Brilliance. Right. (laughs) 
Um, again, remember, reading a book means that reading at least 80% of it. So the program will count a book as long as you've read the majority of the book. Um, we want students reading as much as they can over break. Again, the great thing about Footsteps of Brilliance is once you download the app or use it on the Chromebook, you can take it anywhere with you. You don't need to um, have internet to use it. Um, when the students bring their Chromebooks back or when the parent might um, even go into a Starbucks and connect to the Wi-Fi, all of that information will download um, or upload into the Footsteps of Brilliance app. When we get back from break, we're going to be looking at that dashboard and looking for the top students in each complex, and we'll be awarding them with books. And we'll be coming to their school site um, to award them. And I didn't discuss this with you, but I just decided, because I'm just so um, just enamored with the idea, I'm going to purchase a box of broccoli for the three classrooms that have the most books read. Every student in those classes is going to take home a bunch of broccoli. I'm only kidding, folks. We'll be doing um, some class recognitions as well. Our top five classes are going to get recognized and get a really fun treat in their classroom um, to just go ahead and bring more joy and more excitement to the program. I think what we want families to do is obviously rest. We want them to be healthy. Every family is invited to come out to College Park Elementary School on Friday, April 8th, between 12 and 6 p.m., we will have COVID tests. Here's the plan. Come pick up a test. Administer the first test to your child that Friday, April 8th. Check to see what it is. If there's a positive test, please keep the child home. Call the district office and let us know. Call your school office and let us know. If your child takes the test and they're COVID negative, that's great. Give them the second test on Monday morning because that that box you're going to pick up has two tests in it. Same process. If it's positive, pick up the phone and call the district and pick up the phone and call your school. If it's negative, we'll see you back in school on April 12th um, because this is very, very exciting time. We want everybody to be healthy. We want to encourage you, strongly encourage you to wear masks when you come back to school on April 12th. And we thank you for being with us at the One SMFC Podcast. 